1: Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Melbag, a RotoViz podcast. This is the January 7th episode, and as always, we are here to give you advice in our last week, our last show of 2021-2022, week 18, for the seasonal leagues that have finished, you've pivoted to DFS, all the great stuff going on. We have one of the best in the business here. My good friend, Pat Fitzmaurice, has joined us. Pat was here usually at the beginning of the year. He has now joined us our final episode, which we can't appreciate him enough. Pat, editor, fantasy pros, ranker, footballgirl.com, just doing so much great stuff across the board. Milwaukee native. We've talked Milwaukee Bucks, Wisconsin Badgers. Follow him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Mr. Fitz Morris, welcome back to the mailbag.
2: Mr. Randall, always great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, And I love the idea that this being the last show of the year like it's just you me and the diehards with this you one got like the, the riffraff has all left the people who think fantasy football is actually a seasonal game like those people are all gone it's it's just you me and the hardcore junkies so uh This is going to be a good show.
1: That's it, man. That's why this is it. We're wrapping up. We can talk about hits, misses, try to make some money on best ball, figuring out who's playing, who's sitting. Just promise me, Pat, you will not rip off your shirt and run off the Zencaster here as we're (laughs) recording a la Antonio Brown, okay? Because I don't have anybody to talk to.
2: Oh, man. Well, that would be really bad if it was were a live stream because I would not <laughs> want to see anyone to see my uh, bare chest after a December of living on red meat and Christmas cookies. Yes. So uh, yes. I'll, I'll spare people that sort of agony.
1: So let's, let's summarize the season, man. Overall, really good season for me and for you. You're one of the best people in the business. Rankers, everything, just killing it across the board now. Fantasy pros. Talk about it. Best ball, seasonal, dynasty leagues. How'd you end up? Give us a little quick summary here.
2: Uh, you know, it was going OK through about 13 weeks, Mike, and then 14 weeks, 14 through 16 were pretty bloody and I didn't have a lot of skin in the game. And week 17, I mean, I was doing the the best ball uh, recap and it I only did about 12 or 13 best ball drafts, but I only won one. And I think I had two others that were top three and I think I had a second, a third in those, um, you know, like redraft was kind of rough. Weeks 14 and 15 were pretty bad. My dynasty teams, you know, I've got this home dynasty league I would have loved to have won. It's our year two, and uh, I've been in the championship game both years. Both years I've lost. Oh. I, got, I got T. Higgins in week oh. 16. Oh, yeah. uh, we played our championship in week 16 because our commissioner uh, was too dumb to remember to change the championship game to week 17. And by the way, I'm the commissioner, Mike. So, uh, <laughs> i was the dumb one uh and then you know the scott fishball i had a pretty good run i I made the conference finals in that so you know final 200 out of 2000 isn't bad but um you know, I was hoping the the Mahomes Tyreek Hill stack could come through for me in Week sixteen COVID. And, and
1: COVID got you.
2: Yep. Uh, well, Hill was around for that one. That was just the week where uh, I think we got two touchdowns out of what was it? Demarcus Re- was it Pringle or Robinson got two? Oh, no, Pringle had two. It was Pringle yeah, with Pringle two and been, Hardman yeah. with one. Yeah. And Hill had the quiet game. Like Mahomes did okay, but so. Uh, yeah, not the season I was hoping for, and, and next year I'm kind of rededicating myself. I just didn't make enough maneuvers as far as trades in season. It's just hard when you're doing content full-time to like have the time to look at people's rosters, negotiate. Uh, I got to do more of that next year.
1: Scott Fishbowl, I, I had a good run, and normally, Pat, I'm terrible. I, I won a satellite to get in years ago, and since then, I have been god-awful. But this year, we had a really solid run, but it came down to this, I went fade tight end in the draft. And when Mark Andrews is putting up 50 burgers three weeks in a row, and I'm battling with the wonderful duo of CJ Ozoma and James O'Shaughnessy, Pat, I am already starting at a deficit that I didn't have during the year. Cause during the year, tight ends were sort of up and down. And then of course, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, not really performing. So as much as I love Jonathan Taylor and Cooper cup and everyone just couldn't get there to the final game, but it was a, it was a good run. It certainly was a good run for someone who's normally like five and eleven, and not even close to, to the to the final. So, totally understand it. Well, I'm going to start at the top. The zero RB is certainly what we do here at Rotaviz, and Sean Siegel, Colin Kelly. Of course, you know really well. Uh, they had some teams that made really deep runs. FFPC column was was Jarvis Landry away, I think, from a joint team. They were taking home $100,000. But certainly I think it's a strong year for zero RB. So my question is, how does this year end the results, the loss of Christian McCaffrey or the success of Jonathan Taylor? The questions about Dalvin Cook getting hurt how do you think that's going to affect your rankings and next season in seasonal leagues? The way things shook out this year,
2: I think 2021 was a pretty good demonstration of the viability of uh zero RB. And I mean, look at championship week the top 10 running backs from week 17 were Rashad Penny, Najee Harris. Daryl Williams, Devin Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson, Boston Scott, A.J. Dillon, David Montgomery, Elijah Mitchell, and Deontay Foreman. And really the only two guys from that group who were, you know, considered even, what, top 15 guys were Najee Harris and David Montgomery. And and we just – we see running backs come out of the ether every year, Mike. And, um, I mean, like, there are a lot of explanations for why people – Like zero RB, hate zero RB. For me, it comes down to the idea that running backs are wildly unpredictable and a wide receiver. Yes, they're fluctuating values, but generally I think what you see is what you get. You know, like if there's someone who comes out of the ether wide receiver, it's like a dude like Travis Fulgham in 2020 and Fulgham had a few usable weeks, but he wasn't some superstar. I mean, you're not getting guys like Rashad Penny who are league winners at the end of the season rampaging through in the two most, you know, biggest weeks of the season. So, um, I mean, my top 10 for next year makes me believe I'm going to have a lot of zero. I'm going to be pushed into zero RB starts. Cause Mike, I just, I can't take guys like McCaffrey cook Camara, the fragile values who you almost know these guys are going to miss time every year. You know, you're going to get a few, uh, Weeks where your feet are held to the fire like you got with Dalvin Cook that one week where we weren't sure to what extent he was going to play. And some people actually played Madison over him in a week when he went for 200 yards coming off an injury. So, And I know you get replacement value when a a starting running back like this gets hurt. It's not like you have to take a zero, but I mean, give me the baseline that you get with a guy like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson who are going to have... You know, fourteen hundred yards, eight to ten touchdowns, a hundred catches. Um, and, and the other thing is like we've seen injury rates at running back, and it's cause the very best running backs, the guys were chasing the Bell Cows, they touch the ball two hundred and fifty to three hundred times. The best run the best wide receivers are touching it around a hundred times. So, I mean, those guys are handling it two and a half to three times more often. They're gonna get hurt more often part of why we see this big churn at the running back position. So yes, I'm very much in on zero RB for 2022.
1: Yeah. I would say about four years ago, Pat, I wrote an article for player profiler talking about the importance of handcuffing. Now I wrote that in the prism of, it used to be a one for one replacement, you know, like I guess it is with Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison, but that's rare because not only are the running backs fragile, But you're getting RBBCs, or you're getting 65-35. It's like the team is preparing for the inevitable injury. So in the end, there is no handcuffing anymore, very, very rarely. And if you take that running back, like I had a league, went to a wedding in the summer with my family, and I had the first overall pick in my family league. And I said, you know, if I had any guts, I'd take Najee Harris. That's what I said, because everything lined up. I go McCaffrey, Darnold, except whatever. And in the end, Harris would have been fine, but McCaffrey busted. And once you bust an early pick, the majority of your points come from those first three rounds. Always, maybe you hit a Zach Ertz a couple of years ago late, but it's in, it's really hard, right, to overcome an early round bust.
2: It is. It is. Um, and so I would prefer to buy into the stability. I think that you're going to get with chase or Jefferson. And I know chase might not be seen as a stable asset just yet. Cause he had some really explosive games this year and some games where he kind of disappeared a little, but I mean, he is just scratching the surface. We saw him not play any football in 2020 and uh, you know, comes in has that uh, really rough training camp and preseason that kind of threw everyone off the trail Um, But for him to do this in his first full season, I mean, like the
1: sky is the limit for this dude. I'm so excited about him. I want to go off the show sheet for a second because you touched on a question I asked the whole year. I asked people about the dynasty wide receiver one early in the year. It was chase as a slam dunk middle of the year. Everyone's telling me it's Justin Jefferson. Now my question to you, is it back to chase? It is back to chase for yeah. me. And, uh, you know, they,
2: they played together at LSU and, and chase mm-hmm. was kind of the guy and, uh, you know, he was younger and he was more prolific than Jefferson. Jefferson is an amazing talent. Um, I mean, I, I think he's like a top five overall guy. I mean, for me, it's, my top five is, is Jonathan Taylor and then four wide receivers. Yep. And I, I think yep. that's going to be aberrant to a lot of people who, uh, you know, believe in the, the hero running back or the robust mm-hmm. running back strategy. But I feel more comfortable with the stability of uh, Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams, Chamar Chase and Justin Jefferson as assets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: I want to get your thoughts on a couple players here where you think they'll go in seasonal leagues next year. First up, Kyle Pitts. I mean, gosh, I was wrong about Pitts. I was, I'm going to say, even though he didn't finish where I, th- I thought he would finish below where he's getting drafted tight end four. But I have to admit, Pat, if he had any sort of normal touchdown season, he would have been in that level because his receiving yards were so high, really struggled in an offense. Where do you place him next year, though? Matt Ryan, offensive uncertainty, but obviously super talented.
2: Yeah, I mean, not only did he – have uh, the bad touchdown luck, but he was getting covered by Stefan Gilmore, other top cornerbacks all season. Like he just was not protected once Calvin Ridley left the team. So um, I'm pretty excited. I think he is going to be the tight end five behind Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, and Waller. Uh, for me, he's tight end four ahead of Waller. Um, and I think he's probably going to be a late third rounder overall. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, a, a thousand-yard season from this guy right off the bat, and he just—you can see that the physical traits and like just high-pointing balls over or over cornerbacks, like outrunning linebackers and safeties. I mean, this guy is absolutely the real deal.
1: Yep, in indoors in the dome as well. Next one, we already talked about him, Christian McCaffrey. I Pat, I am well aware that the diehard fantasy guys say ignore injuries; they don't matter. Matthew Stafford was a, was always at a point where he was. Bill Simmons called him Matthew only if you can stay healthy. Stafford, Keenan Allen had several years like that, but it's really hard to ignore that McCaffrey's now had two of these seasons where he's really struggled. He's a, he's not a huge guy. What do you do with CMC?
2: Yeah, for me, he's right after those four wide receivers I mentioned. Um, Mm. And like ahead of Derek Henry, because I now think the uh, aura of invincibility is gone from Henry with this foot thing. And, and, you know, Mm. he's also had the gigantic workload as McCaffrey has had. But we know that whenever McCaffrey is healthy, the the points are going to follow. I mean, mm-hmm. what he does in the receiving game is just so valuable to us in PPR and half-point PPR leagues. And, um, yeah, I'm willing to take that chance on him middle of the first round. I don't know if I can do it at two or three or four, but if he is uh, going to last until – six or seven. I would certainly take that chance. And I think he is going to be in the running back three or well in the three to six uh, range overall in most drafts. I
1: think he'll be one in one of those four slots. Jalen Hurts. I mean, for so much of this season, Pat, Jalen Hurts was not looking great for three quarters of the game and then had a Blake Bortles-esque fourth quarter. However, the last few weeks that has changed he looks solid he looks more confident I certainly think he's coming back next year as a starter for Philadelphia so where do you place him among the quarterbacks next year
2: yeah I mean I certainly hope he comes back for Philadelphia I know they were lukewarm in their commitment to him before the season but hopefully there are no more doubts they get him another pass catcher because Jalen Rager stinks Uh, They need a more credible number two behind Quez Watkins, who's fine as a three, but not as a two. Um, So hopefully they give him some support. I've got him, my quarterback 13, which might sound a little low right now. I've got him behind Trey Lance and Deshaun Watson are probably the two names people might scratch their heads over. Um, You know, Watson, obviously a leap of faith that he's going to be back. And Lance, I just think it's uh, Lance has more potential as a passer. Like, I I think maybe we will not see it next year. We could, I just think Hertz is always going to be sort of limited as a passer. And I think Lance has the potential to become a better than average NFL passer. And, you know, they're both great runners. Um, You know, I might change my tune on that, depending on what the Eagles put around uh, Hertz in the off season. But for now, I've got him kind of modestly at quarterback 13. Uh, you know, I had him in a lot of best balls. He really paid off. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be probably a seventh or eighth rounder in most 12-team drafts.
1: With a huge upside for sure. And then a sort of an enigma here, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So let's recap Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's fantasy opinions over his NFL career. Gets drafted and makes people pad a lot of money by getting the over 0.5 running backs drafted in the first round that year pick with the last pick of the first round. Everyone says Kansas City, goal mind, Patrick Mahomes. Opening night, and we talked before that game that year, you and I were on the mailbag talking about it, has a great game, but gets stopped at the one inside the five like a couple times and has a good season, but not great with touchdowns. Everyone assumes he's coming back this year. He's going to be good again. And he disappoints. He's still in Kansas city, but he's still not the top running back option for sure. Darrell Williams, et cetera. Damian Williams was an issue for a while. CH, what do you do? Uh, I
2: fade him. Cause I think he's going to be in that running back dead zone, like around the fourth round, probably running back 20 to 22. Like I just don't want any price, uh, any piece of him at that price, Mike, it, it's just not going to be me. I've got him running back 31 tentatively going into the season. And that's, I, I haven't even slotted the rookie running backs yet. Uh, I think Daryl Williams is better. I think chiefs fans are probably ill that they took him instead of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, just think of what a Patrick Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill oh my God. offense oh would my look God. like. Fuck. I mean, they just they whiffed on that pick so badly. So badly. And I like I just don't think Edwards Hilaire is that good. And I'm I'm done chasing. I mean, I never really did chase this year, but thinking that there is running back one potential there. Like I I really don't think there is. So um I think I'm going to let other people take a swing on CEH in 2022.
1: Yeah, I just pulled up at your Fantasy Pro site here. You talk about the dead zone, Pat. I mean, it just reads like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Chris Carson – uh, Miles Sanders, mm. Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis. I mean, it's just every year you look back, and people were saying, "Oh, Ceh, overall running back, fourteen. What, what, a, what a buy!" Didn't work out that way for sure. Uh, go ahead. You're a humble guy. You're just one of the best, best people in the business. Period. As well as a ranker. Give me a little brag here, Pat. Who is a guy you nailed here? Biggest hits, uh, one or two that you had this year in the preseason.
2: After getting tight end wrong for a couple of years, Mike, I think I finally got it right and played it well for a change in 2021. Like um, I was either getting a top guy or I was just waiting it out and not going for the middle tight ends. Like that middle tier had bitten me for like two years straight. So I was not going for Noah Fant or Robert Tunyon or Tyler Higby. Like I was ducking those guys for the most part. Yeah. and you know, I was either mm-hmm. I had Mark Andrews in one spot, yep. uh Kelsey in another. And if I didn't get one of those guys, I was just kind of waiting. And the guys I kept taking late in drafts, and I mean, honestly, just falling sort of ass backwards any of these guys, Mike were Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox.
1: Oh god. Oh, I just
2: kept gosh. taking the
1: oh god. I, I forget
2: <laughs> I forget which Cowboys insider uh was, was talking about their tight end situation. And he, like, he was convinced that Knox was going to be ahead of Jarwin this year. So that kind of got me on, uh, Schultz. on the Schultz is ahead or yeah. Schultz, yeah. sorry, yeah. Schultz. Um, yeah. So that was pretty easy. Cause everyone else was on Jarwin. It seemed like, and yep. uh, you know, as soon as that seed was planted, I just kept taking Schultz like in the, the last or second to last round of, of drafts. And uh, you know, Knox was always just a guy who like, wow, this guy's, big he's athletic he's tied to a good quarterback like if if he hits and why not like what's to stop Knox from becoming a a, you know at least a mid-range tight end too so I guess those were two
1: of the hits well I'm gonna roll into that then that you said that what are we gonna do with tight ends next year I mean what do you anticipate is is going to be the strategy then we talked about it so do we come back with Andrews? Do we still stay with Kelsey another year? Kyle Pitts? Like, do you think it'll be a similar situation where it's grab one early or, or or super late? Or is there anyone who you're thinking, yeah, Tyler Conklin? I don't know. Somebody who maybe could shake it up a little bit.
2: Yeah. So depending on price, I am amenable to taking any of those top four, Andrews, Kelsey, uh, Kittle, Pitts. And for me, that's that's actually the order. To me, Andrews is actually number one over Kelsey next year. Um, but Kelsey is right there with him. Kittle just a slight notch below and, and Pitts pretty close to those guys. Um, but if I don't get any of those four, I'm doing the same thing, Mike. So I'm not, I'm probably not going to have, uh, Pat Friermuth as much as yes. I like yes. him. Yes. Okay. I'm probably not okay. going to have Mike Gasicki as much as I like him. Um, Cole Komet, who, who could be a climber one of these years. Like I definitely don't want a mid range quarterback. Or a mid-range tight end who's tied to kind of a sketchy quarterback situation. Excellent. Great, great advice. And Friarmouth, Gesicki, and Kamat all fall into that range. So I'll probably wait longer and be in on guys like uh, I don't know, Adam Troutman, Brevin Jordan, uh, Dan Arnold, David Njoku who's gonna be a free agent. Um, like I'll I'll scrape the bottom of the barrel with those guys and hope to get lucky.
1: Excellent. You know, in the spirit of full disclosure, and you always are, we always get asked to hear people want to hear about our misses. I mean, Pat, I could do a whole show on, on my misses this year, whether it was Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill. I mean, we, the list goes on and on here. But who's the sort of one guy that you said, you know, that one I, I didn't have pegged right. Maybe something that surprised you here in the at the end of the season.
2: Oh, it's got to be Trey Sermon. Like I was so yeah. amped for him, ah, Mike. So was I, I yes. mean, like it it all made sense. And so he was going at like running back twenty-five for preseason ADP, and that's a, a committee back price. And it's like, okay, fine, he's gonna be probably a committee back to start out and it for a team that likes to run, that has a good running attack, a good offensive line. You're paying a committee back price for a committee back, but if he hits, I mean, if he's one of those special guys running in the Shanahan system and can give you a Clinton Portis or Terrell Davis year, like you're going to win a lot of leagues. And um, we were kind of right about the value of the the featured guy in there, but it just wasn't the right rookie. I mean, Elijah Mitchell comes and, and passes Trey Sermon. It was just something that was hard to see as many people as uh, there were in the draft community who were excited about Sermon. I mean, like he Sermon played a lot of high-profile games. I, I saw it with my own two eyes. I thought he was going to be hit the ground running in the NFL, and it just did not
0: happen.
1: We uh, got together with Jake Seely for Flex Leagues in the City, and um, uh, Rich Rebar's there. We're hanging out, having a beverage, talking. And I remember at the waiver wire, he spent all of his fab in week three, I think, on Elijah Mitchell. And I DM'd him, I go, Rich, what? he's like, I'm telling you. And he was right. Like we knew you were right in your process. It just ended up being Mitchell, not sermon. And that was what it was. I remember that was going around in social media. You spending all your fab on Elijah Mitchell. It was the right move. It, it was the right move.
2: John, John Paulson, a good friend of mine was another yeah. one who I know went all in, in a couple of leagues and, um, you know, can me to do it in a high stakes league we were in together. And somehow I think we left a little something off our bid and wound up not getting them. Someone actually did like, go completely all in. And uh yeah, I mean it was it was a good move to make. Mitchell Mitchell was the real deal and like he was everything I had hoped
1: Sermon was gonna be. I gotta ask you about the off season. I mean from a guy here who is trying to climb his way into a full time job in the industry, watching you, I mean you're at the top of the mountain here. Do you exhale? I mean, do you take a couple of weeks to exhale or how does this work for you? I, you know, like you have just done so many great things. Football girl ended up going to football guys, now fantasy pros. Like, is there an off season for Pat Fitzmaurice? I need to know this.
2: Yeah. So there kind of was before, but now that I am full-time in fantasy with fantasy pros, there's really not. I mean, I, I'd love to say I'm going to work on my short game, Mike, but since the, uh, the golf course next door is covered, by a blanket of snow and will be until probably around St. Patrick's day. That's not an option. Uh, So I'm just going to keep going, Mike. I mean, there's baseball season to prep for. Uh, I don't know how much baseball content I'm going to be doing, but I am an avid player myself. There's going to be stuff to edit on that side at fantasy pros. I'm kind of a tour hound. So I'll be watching a lot of PGA. Like I always think, uh, you know, starting with the farmers open, which is the week of the conference championship games. Like that's the best time at tour from, from the farmers until uh, the masters. Like that's just a great time on the tour calendar. And of course, Mike, I got to take advantage of like one last chance to see Johnny Davis play for my Wisconsin Badgers before the lottery pick in the
1: NBA draft
2: next year. So
1: uh, Uh, make the most out of that, I guess. Folks, Pat and I have a connection here in uh, with Milwaukee. One of my best friends works for the Bucks, and so we're always talking Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And I, I've not been out there, Pat. I, I did. I went to the game, uh, the game against the Nets in the playoffs, Game One here in Brooklyn. Masked up, did the whole thing, showed the vaccine card. They got destroyed. And uh, I could not get out for game six to the Bucs. Uh, Matt, my friend Matt's like, if you come out, you got a ticket. But I couldn't get there. But uh, I got to get out to see Johnny Davis because he, he's a different level, folks. If you're not a college basketball fan, Wisconsin comes on your television. Just take five minutes and watch Mr. Davis go to work. It is a pleasure. huh? Yeah, he is
2: amazing. I mean, there, there have been some pretty good players to have come through the program in the last 25 years or so. Michael Finley, Devin Harris. Uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky was great on the college level, maybe not so much in the NBA, but like Johnny might be better than Michael Finley and Devin Harris, which is saying something because those guys are amazing. Finley had a great, you know, almost 20-year NBA career. Uh, but but Johnny is just remarkable.
1: Pat and I talk college hoops. Pat, the most money I won – was when I said Wisconsin is not losing in the Final Four to that undefeated Kentucky team. You know, that team was – there was no – I just – I'm an old-school guy. <laughs> Veterans are going to beat the youngins, right? Oh, that's what I wanted to believe. Sam Decker just <laughs> banging shots. I, I owe Mr. Decker a beverage or two at some point. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts here on a few games coming up. You know, so much uncertainty, Pat. So your ability to break things down really helps – of course, the, 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 the thought going around is if by some grace of God, Jacksonville beats Indianapolis, then if the Raiders and Chargers tie, they both get in. I don't think that's going to happen, is it? But what are your thoughts on the Raiders-Chargers here?
2: Yeah, so I don't think there is any chance that uh, <laughs> Jacksonville can do this. I
1: mean, I, I – yeah, But, Pat, much- the Colts haven't won there since like 2014 or something like that. <laughs> it's an odd thing.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the uh, trend on that one, and, and you know, take the Colts straight up. Um, Vegas Chargers is interesting. You know, of course, I think the instinct is to go with the Chargers, but like this has been such a rough time of year for the Chargers historically. I, I wonder if that uh, franchise is a little cursed in uh, early January, and and the Raiders have just like they started with the surprise against Baltimore in Week One. They sprung the surprise on the Colts on the road in week 17. Like every time I'm ready to just say, oh, the, the Raiders are done. They circle the wagons and, and get it done with a, a win. So like, I'm kind of expecting it to happen again. Like, I just feel like they're going to pull this one out somehow. Um, you know, and I'm not just uh, pandering to one of my best friends who's a Raiders fan. Cause you know, <laughs> I mean, he, he, <laughs> sort of subtly revels in the, the Packers' failings. And, uh, you know, I, I don't owe it to him to uh, cheer for the Raiders, but I just kind of feel like they're going to get it done.
1: Right now, uh, the line is currently sitting at three. So it's Chargers on Sunday night football, favored by three, over-unders 49-and-a-half. If it gets to three-and-a-half, Pat, that hook can be awfully tempting yes. with the, yes. the Raiders at, Raiders at home. Baltimore-Pittsburgh. So – That was a big line that switched last week. Uh, Pittsburgh was an underdog by three, which of course is a pretty slam bet with Mike Tomlin over the last few years. Even though it's been up and down this year, it's still well over 60%. Uh, And now Ravens, Baltimore, what do you think about this game? A lot of question marks. Could be big men's last game ever in Pittsburgh. What do you think?
2: Yeah. Oh, man. This is just um, what what a a fall from grace for this rivalry. And for the Ravens, it's not really their fault. I mean, they lost their – entire backfield before the start of the season. They've had their defensive backfield just completely gutted by injuries. Marcus Peters and then Marlon Humphrey. And, and like, they've taken some other hits uh, to their cornerback group. So, whereas I think it's been injuries uh, doing in the Ravens, I've, I've felt sort of all along this season that the Steelers were a bad team masquerading as, like, a 500 team. And I, I just – like, I think they need a tear down, uh, especially offensively, but like they're not airtight defensively either. We've seen them just get trampled in the running game at times this season. So um, I, I kind of think the Raider, Ravens are going to beat the Steelers in this one.
1: Yeah, it's one of the things Rich Rebar said also. One of the biggest injustices of any team is that the Steelers have failed to address their backup quarterback situation, which is the only reason why, Pat, I thought the Mike Tomlin to USC thing I thought I had a sliver of truth because who the heck's going to quarterback this team? And if you don't have a quarterback, it's an uphill battle, isn't it?
2: It really is. And uh, yeah, if we were handicapping this for 2022, it would be interesting. Like I know a lot of people want to put Aaron Rodgers there. And it would certainly be interesting to see Aaron Rodgers work with Deontay Johnson. Uh, Chase Claypool, although I guarantee you Chase Claypool would drive Aaron Rodgers absolutely insane. Uh, Pat Friermuth. Yeah. But of course, I'm not one of the people as a Packers fan who wants to put Aaron Rodgers in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to say it's going to be Kenny Pickett. Like I think Pickett is maybe one of the small, very small handful of rookie quarterbacks who has a chance to be a Week One starter in 2022. And it's just I don't know. Maybe it's kismet with uh, the University of Pittsburgh guy going to the Steelers. Um, but yeah, if if it's not Rodgers. I don't know who it would be and so I would I would be inclined to, to bet on a rookie.
1: Give me a one word and a sort of a quick explanation sort of like a rapid reacts here uh Pat Russell Wilson's team next year. I'll say Saints. Um Oh. When he That's a great one. Oh my god. You know, he <laughs>
2: Gave the organization, the the Seahawks organization, a list of potential trade destinations back in like the early part of the season, oh. according to Adam Schefter, and I think it was Cowboys, Raiders, Bears, and Saints. Like it's not going to be the Bears; they've got Fields. It's not going to be uh the Cowboys; they've got Dak. I don't know about the Raiders, but like the Saints just seems to make sense. Like a. a he'd be a good fit in the Peyton system. I think another like breeze, kind of a, a smallish quarterback with a lot of guile. Um, like I, it just seems like it would be a pretty natural fit for him.
1: Next, Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, Beckham, another guy's had that career arc up and down, seems to have found a home here. Nice catch the other day, big time catch, besides the punch, by the way, to the backside of the Ravens player. Pat, we'll let that go. Where do you rank Odell next year in your machinations with the Rams?
2: I've got him wide receiver 36, Mike. Okay. Um, so I guess that probably puts me mostly out, but not totally out. Like I think he's good and and there's injury replacement value if he does get hurt again. And we saw that he can be impactful. He made, made the clutch catch for the Rams last week on fourth down on a, a, an off target throw where he just has those suction cup hands and reaches behind him and pulls it in and then scores a touchdown. And I think the very next play, so like he can do it, but I just don't think we're ever going to see anything close to the Odell Beckham we saw in the giants where he could just take over games and, and put up No four or five, 600 yard games in a row. I, I think that OBJ is gone.
1: We all have a bias, Pat. One of my biggest ones, whether it comes to handicapping lines or NFL or anything, is coaches. I believe coaches matter. It goes back to my days at Boston College when I used to have to go there at 530 in the morning to run track because the track was ripped up because we expanded the football stadium. And the only car in the parking lot was Tom Coughlin's and we had a great year a lot of parties Pat big win over Notre Dame all that stuff. okay but, so to me coaching matters I just can't get a read on Cliff Kingsbury I, like he he wasn't a winning coach in college didn't have a winning record offensive mastermind but it's really a horizontal raid has a great record as an underdog on the road but not a great record at home what what do you think about Cliff Kingsbury that's my question
2: yeah, you encapsulated it pretty well there. Um, the whole, you know, fake sharp label that's been <laughs> panned on uh Kingsbury. A lot of people love the hire and thought it was really great that they were taking this young college coach with an offensive innovator. We haven't seen a lot of the innovation yet. Um, so yeah, and yet like the overall results haven't been bad. And uh I mean part of that though is that they've they've built a pretty formidable defense, which was not something we've been accustomed to seeing in Arizona over the years. So um, I'm like you, I'm I'm very much on the fence. I don't think he's going anywhere yet, but um, whether he can get the Cardinals to the promised land is a very uh, debatable question.
1: Absolutely. Pat, it's been great, man. I mean, you're one of my favorite people in the world. I I could talk to you for another hour. One more question, we'll get you out of here. I want to know, Pat, we used to do Bill bowl predictions, but we're out of those now. Um, I'd love to know your Super Bowl prediction. Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers' swan song getting to the Super Bowl? Can Brady navigate the chaos in Tampa Bay and the injuries? San Francisco, the Rams, the Chiefs, Talk to me. Who is making the Super Bowl?
2: I got to go with my Packers, Mike. I know things have a way of going wrong at Lambeau Field in late January uh, for the Packers, but it it just seems like uh, it, it's certainly not a flawless team. They were they were playing better defense a, a month or two ago when uh, you know they held Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes and some other good quarterbacks in check. Uh, The defense has slipped a little since then. The the special teams are terrible and could be a huge Achilles heel for the Packers. Um, But they are doing all of this without David Bakciari, you know, arguably the best left tackle in the game. Without Jair Alexander, arguably the best pure cover corner in the game. And those guys are coming back they are going to be back for their first playoff game and maybe Zadarius Smith too. And if we get Zadarius Smith coming off one edge and Rashawn Gary coming off the other, um, just getting two or three blue chippers back to a team that's already been playing at a pretty high level all season. And I just feel like there are some, uh, Small flaws with all the other contenders. You know, we've seen Arizona kind of fall on hard times. The Buccaneers with the, the Antonio Brown drama and, you know, the, the Chris Godwin injury that's probably going to be felt during the playoffs. The, uh, the slippage from Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense generally. I mean, who would have imagined that Dallas would be carried by their defense? Uh, at this point in the season. like That just seemed unfathomable. So I think the Packers have fewer flaws than anyone else in a conference where everyone has flaws.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a great way to say that. So many of the teams, Pat, emperors close, right? Trevon Diggs leads the league in interception, but also has a very low coverage rating. He can get burned. The fake sharp with Kingsbury, you hit all of them. I mean, Arizona being carried by the defense, you've nailed them. It really is uncertainty across the board.
2: Yeah. And then in the AFC, Mike, I know the Chiefs are chalk, but like it's, we've seen the Chiefs offense just sort of misfire at at various times during the season. I I can't help but feel we're going to have one of those games where they are just not clicking and it's costly. And, uh, you know, this is a a bit of a dark horse pick and it feels funny saying it, but I think the Patriots are going to make their first Super Bowl without Tom Brady since uh
1: <laughs> pat i i am a belichick is better than brady guy i again the coaching bend i understand that and listen brady's he's the best quarterback ever you know he's the best player ever no problem with that but you he had a lot of guys with him last year there's a difference between what belichick had to go through and him and what belichick's doing with a rookie quarterback should not be understated it shouldn't be they're both great they're both legends they're gonna yeah. both be in canton exactly but i think belichick is even a little underrated right now would not be surprised by that absolutely
2: yeah, and this defense is is fierce. I mean, it is hard to throw on the Patriots. They they can rush with four. They have an airtight secondary, um, you know, and they can play January ball. They've got a, a two-headed running game, uh, and they've got a you know kind of a rookie quarterback with Moxie, who all they really need to do is pick up third and fives. You know, they just need him to consistently pick up third and fives, and I think they uh, are going to be a really dangerous team,
1: folks. Pat Fitzmorris. Editor, Fantasy Pros, Ranker, the Fits on Fantasy podcast, which is a week of listen for me, footballgirl.com, one of the best rankers minds and people most importantly in the business my good friend follow him on twitter at fits underscore ff pat it is an honor to end the mailbag where we essentially start i think i had you on the second show this year with you my friend here week 18 thank you so much for joining us mike thanks for having me it's been a fun season
2: and uh, i know the off season uh, what there is of it is not going to last long we're going to be back at it and talking again soon so uh take care my friend